high. Let's give applause for our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wonderful. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Psalms chapter 23. Psalms chapter 23. And uh, if you're new here, um, or if you're watching or listening online, I'm Pastor Lucas Cunningham. And so we are excited to, uh, to be here. And the uh, story uh, Pastor Austin shared definitely sounds just like my youngest son, Grant. And um, before the record, it was his mother that made him. <laughs> Just give that boy what he wants. Anyway, Psalms chapter 23. Children always spice things up, don't they? They're wonderful. They're a blessing. Here we are. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Let's pray. Father, we come before your throne thankful that you've saved us. Not because we deserve to be saved, not because we deserve to be found, but because you are love, because you came down, and that you dwelt among us, became flesh, loved us, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, and that when you were on the cross, we were on your mind. And Lord, that you were patient and you were kind with us. You show us so much mercy and so much grace that we simply do not deserve. And you were long-suffering. And so Lord, we, we pray that as we search the scriptures, as we're reminded of this beautiful psalm, that we're encouraged to know that you are my shepherd. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Imagine for a moment you are in the woods on a hot, humid summer day, wherever you may be, whether it's the Midwest or right here in Ohio, or you're in the South, wherever you're at, you are lost and you do not know where to go. It can happen to anybody. When I was pastoring in South Carolina, there was a... Uh, three brothers, they were oh, probably in their mid-50s at that time, but when they were kids, they ended up getting lost in the woods in South Carolina, in the woods behind their home. And they stayed in the woods all night while their father and many others were searching for them. But imagine you're in the woods and you're lost. You're hot, you're dirty. You're wondering, you're thirsty, you're hungry, and you are looking and you're wondering, am I ever going to be found? Starting to have many different mosquito bites on you everywhere. You're now eating grubs like Bear grills because you're so hungry. And you're starting to smell pretty ripe. And just when you've lost all hope, in the middle of the night you see a bright light shining upon you. They found you. What was lost is now found. And the feelings that you would have of being lost and being found and seeing that flashlight, that flashlight or those lights from that helicopter that had found you would just be one of great relief. You have been found. See, the Bible often compares us to sheep. In fact, in Isaiah 53, it says, 
All we like sheep have gone astray. Now, if you are not familiar with sheep, we often think of sheep as nice, sweet little animals that are completely helpless. But if you get around, if you get around sheep, what you will find is that they are stubborn, hard-headed, often dirty, and smell a little funny. Like most of us. So it's no wonder that so often we're compared, that mankind is compared to sheep. This Psalms 23 is one of the most popular psalms. You've heard it in church. You've heard it at funerals. You've, you've even heard it on TV and movies and so such forth. And, and maybe you wonder, who wrote this beautiful psalm? It was none other than King David. Yes, the same David, David versus Goliath, that David. And maybe you didn't know this about King David. Maybe you just thought he just came from a rich family and was always you know, a, a, a family of influence. But it's not the case with David. In fact, when, when the prophet Samuel was told by God, I want you to go to Jesse's house, which was David's father, and I want uh, one, of the, one of his sons is going to be the future king. I'm done with Saul. One of his sons is going to be the future king. And so when Samuel asked, hey, Jesse, bring all your sons. I want to see each one of your sons. There was one, two, three, four, five, six. And he goes one by one. And the Lord says, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. He gets to the sixth one. He's like, okay, I guess this is going to be the one. And God's like, no. Samuel's like, well, wait a second. Jesse, is, there, is, this, is this all your sons? Well, no, there's one out in the field watching the sheep. It's David. Go get him. I'll wait. Of course, as he comes, the Lord says, Samuel, that's the one right there. The one that his own father didn't even bother bringing up. He's out in the field with his sheep. David loved his sheep. In fact, if you go back, if you go back and you read the story of David versus Goliath, when he says, hey, I'll, I'll take out this overgrown Philistine. Like, I'll, I'll take him out. It's no problem. And, and David had a little bit of smack talk in him. But I think a lot of it was true. Because he's like, I was out in the field tending to my sheep. And here came a bear. Took one of my sheep. And I ran down that bear. I took that sheep out of its mouth. And I went, really? And, and once there was a lion. He came after one of my sheep, and he took it. I killed the lion. Now, you know when you're hearing that from like a teenage kid, boy, you know, you're like, sure you did. Sure you did. But when he took down Goliath, I'm sure Saul and the others were like, well, maybe he really did. <clears throat> my point is this, is David was no stranger to the sheep. David probably even named the sheep. Now, I haven't hung around a lot of sheep. I've been around cattle quite a bit, and enough that I know that I like eating cattle, <laughs> not hanging out with them. But my brother Matt, who's an outdoors man, always has been. He's always loved cows. He, he now has long horns on his property, like the wide horns, huge horns. And... Um, uh, it, that he's always loved his, his cows. And so when we had cattle at our house, he had names for them. He could tell them apart. I'm like, how do you tell this hamburger apart from this hamburger? I don't understand. But no question, I believe that 
as David hung around these sheep, he loved these sheep so much he was willing to go you know, die for his sheep. And, and maybe you can't relate to that, but you can relate with this, right? How many of us have animals that we love, whether it's a dog or a cat? maybe even a cat. But whatever you love, that animal, if you saw something taken after, you probably would take some risk that you normally would not take to save that animal. And David was willing to risk it all, man, his own life for that sheep. He knew them. He could look at them and tell the difference between them as he hung around them. He smelt like a sheep. He loved sheep. And so, what we see in this passage is we, we see this intimate relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. And the shepherd are constantly with their flock. He learned the traits and the habits of the sheep and the ailments and what bothered them. And, and some of you may think God is just like a distant old man or a distant grandfather who just kind of created everything and kind of just walked away and things are what they are and that he really doesn't know you. That he really doesn't know what you're like. And you may even think to yourself, well, if God really didn't know about my habits, my hang-ups and all my different messed up quirks and traits, like why would, why would God love that? I don't know. I don't know why he loves me. I don't know why he loves you, but he does. And he knows all about our hurts and our hang-ups, and yet he loves us. And he loves you just the way you are. But, but, but know this. God's desire and plan for you is not for you to stay where you're at. It's to change you through his spirit. To become more like Jesus. That's his goal. So we see the Lord is my shepherd and my shepherd and he's enough now we see it says the lord capital l capital o capital r capital d not just any lord but jehovah or uh you could say uh, yahweh yahweh is his is god's covenant name and so it's not just my god is my shepherd or uh, the God is my shepherd. No, no, the Lord, Yahweh, the one that he gives us a covenant. We're underneath a new covenant because of Christ. But we see that our shepherd is not just any shepherd, but it is Jehovah God. And here we are being told that the shepherd who watches over us, he is in control and he is sovereign and that the God of the universe is loving and watching, watching over us. And David greatly, greatly rejoiced in the Lord, that the Lord would never forget, <clears throat> the Lord would never fail him, and never forsake him. As I read Psalms 23, it reminds me of a quote I heard once in a Superman movie. And Superman saves a man from a burning building. He rescues him from the top floor and is carrying him to, uh, to safety by flying through the sky. The man looks at Superman and looks down at the ground. He says, Superman, I'm scared. I am scared. And who wouldn't be scared of flying through the air? But this is what Superman said. He says, now, if I delivered you from the burning fire, what makes you think I'm going to drop you when I'm carrying you safely in the sky. And some of us are that way as well. 
<clears throat> we think to ourselves, well, God saved me. He saved me from the fire. I'm a son or daughter of God. That as I trust in him, and when new things come up in life, and we may not know what to do, or life seems a little scary, a little uncertain, we can easily question the Lord. But here's the comfort that we have, that he is my shepherd. See, God watches over us. He knows everything about us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows what food you like. He knows if you're having a bad day or a good day. He knows about your marriage. He knows about your children. He knows about your job. He knows what you think and you say and what you do. He knows everything about you, and yet he loves you. It does not say that the Lord is a shepherd, does it? It says that he is my shepherd. He may be just the big man upstairs to some. He may be distant to many, at least in their minds. But the God of the Bible isn't interested in just being a distant, unapproachable God. He is my shepherd. See, there's a difference when I say there is a child and then my child. There's a difference when it says, when, when it said that there is a house versus my house, or there is a woman versus my wife. The Lord is my shepherd because he purchased me, the Bible says, with a great price, leads me by his spirit, feeds me with his word, and keeps me by his power. You see, he is my provider. He is my preserver. He is my protector. And since he has never forgotten, he has never failed, he has never forsaken us, he will supply our needs all at the right time. So the sentence, the Lord is my shepherd, <clears throat> is a declaration of both God's deity and humanity. The former declares that he is above us, the latter indicates that he is with us. So the Lord is my shepherd tells us of this. <clears throat> My shepherd tells of our identity. If we're honest with ourselves, there's times in our lives, and maybe more so than for others, that we feel insecure. That those who hide it best sometimes feel it the most. But our insecurity is an invitation from God to escape the danger of false beliefs about who we are and find true peace in who he is. And at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is that we receive a new identity in Christ, brand new. And if there's a time in, which, in our world in which we're living where people are looking for their identity or are confused about their identity, it is today. And the Bible says about our identity is this, is you need to be born again. You need to be born again. In other words, you need to be changed. This in his natural state, this flesh, this body, desires and is bent towards sin. But when God saves us, when he saved us as believers, not that we don't ever have a struggle, but he gives us a new, what I call, want to. A want to. It changes what we want to do. Now, there may be times where we have this battle between doing right and wrong, and maybe you never had that battle before you got saved. You know what that is? That's a good sign that you were born again. 
Because things that used to never bother you now bother you. Or maybe even as a young Christian, certain things didn't really bother you, but man, they bother you as you have grown in your faith and your knowledge of God's word. And as you see how he has taught us how to live and what to do. And so really, in Jesus, we don't lose ourselves. Truly, we end up finding our true selves. And if you want to find your identity, at the end of the day, you'll find it in Christ. You know, look at it from this way. Some will look at their identity as, I'm a business owner. Nothing wrong with being a business owner. Some will find their identity as, well, I'm a father. And that's important to them. Should be. Or I'm a mother. That's important. Or I'm this or I'm that. At the end of the day, our identity isn't found in what we do. It's found in who we belong to. And we belong to Christ. And in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't belong to him. Scripture's clear. There are those who are in the family of God and those who are outside the family of God. You don't get in there just by being a good person. You don't get in there by accident. You don't get in there just by walking in the church. You don't get into heaven just by saying the right words. You get into heaven to any heart, any person that will repent of their sins, ask Christ to save them. He will save. He will change. Man, he will give you a new identity. 2 Corinthians says this, 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You see, saturate your mind with God's, God's truth. It's filled with reminders of his unconditional love for you. Here's a couple. Psalms 139:14. He says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Romans 8:35. He says that nothing can separate you from his love. So don't let the enemy steal your identity. God has made you the way he has made you. What our enemy loves to do, and you're not sure who that enemy is, he is Satan and his demons, his fallen angels. He loves to bring confusion. And many are confused about who they are. Why? They don't have a shepherd. And they're wondering. They're looking. Maybe that's you. And maybe you've wandered so far off the beaten path, you wonder, why would God want anything to do with me? Well, there's this picture in my office. It has this lamb in the center. In the center front focus. And kind of unfocused, but you can tell it's someone coming for that lamb. And it's off the parable in the book of Matthew and Luke. It's Jesus. He left the 99 to go look for that valuable lamb. And so maybe you're here and your life's falling apart. Your life is messed up. And you think to yourself, I'll go to church. I'll get cleaned up enough. You'll never be clean enough just to come to God. God loves you just the way you are. He's been searching. He knows where you're at. And he's coming for you. Will you let him come to you? Will you let him save you? And if you come humbly before the Lord... He will forgive, and he will save, and he will change, and he'll give you a new identity. Biblically speaking, there's only two groups of people when it comes to families, spiritually. It's the family of God, and it's the family of the world. And the family of that world, whether it realizes it or not, its father is Satan, 
It is the devil. That's what we see and why so many are often deceived. You see, my shepherd tells us of our identity. It tells us of our dependency. In the Bible, we find promises concerning the great shepherd's care for his sheep. Psalms 37, 19 says, In times of the disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. Psalms 84, 11, For the Lord your God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Philippians 4, 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It tells of our dependency. You probably have heard it said before. Christianity is just a crutch. No, it's, it's more like we need two crutches and we need an oxygen mask. The air that we breathe. And until you can humbly come to the cross, until you humbly come to him and realize only Jesus is going to get you in, only repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in him can you have a relationship with the Lord. Only then can he become my shepherd. Until then, he's just a shepherd. The God of the universe he wants this relationship with you. You see, it also tells of our relationship. To declare, I shall not want anything that is good in itself or that would be good for me, either now or in the future, tells that we can trust our great shepherd. There's a man by the name of Bob Crabtree. and tells while he was in, the, in Russia, USSR, that he saw as he was in his vehicle, he was driving on the road, and he saw two shepherds with their flock come together in the middle of the road. And he had to wait. So he's waiting there. And of course, we love to wait, right? Um, So he's waiting and he's watching. And about 300 sheep total from each, you know, come together in that road. And he's thinking, oh, wait a second. These are two different flocks. I wonder how... The sheep are going to know which one to follow. Because 300 sheep, that's a lot of sheep. And so as he's watching, and these men are done talking, and the one shepherd starts to walk the opposite way, he simply starts to um, make certain noises that he typically would make, um, as you would with animals, and yells for his sheep. And every one of his sheep followed him. Why? The sheep recognized their shepherd's voice. They recognized the voice. There was a relationship there. They knew what the voice of their shepherd sounded like, and the rest of the sheep knew what the other voices of the shepherd sounded like, and they went, they went their opposite way. Bob also told in his book, I was reading this about sheep, that about seeing one shepherd who was very mean to his sheep, the sheep um, the shepherd was not in front of the sheep leading them, as most, most shepherds would. The shepherd drove the sheep. He was kicking the sheep. He was hitting the sheep. And come to find out, it, uh, it was uh, the local man from the slaughterhouse. That's who, that's who it was. It wasn't a shepherd at all. Shepherds lead their sheep. They don't drive them. You see, my shepherd's care 
is timely. He satisfies our hunger so that when we lay down, we're not hungry. See, hungry sheep, they don't lie down. When a sheep is lying down in green pastures, it means that their, their bellies are full. And when we are full spiritually, when Christ is our sufficiency, we realize that he is enough. And everything else that we try to fill that void with, it never will be enough. Only he is enough. You see, Jesus said this in John 6. He said, I am the bread of life. And he, and he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Show me an unsatisfied Christian, and I will show you a sheep that is wandering off by themselves. They'll oftentimes say things like, I don't need church. Well, the Bible says you shouldn't break fellowship with church, and I'm not sure how you can read the New Testament and go, man, these people died for Jesus. They were willing to be crucified. 11 of the 12 apostles died a martyr's death. You know what? Church probably should just be an option in my life. And I'm sure you can speak, you can understand sarcasm. But when you read the New Testament, you read and you see that this church, Christ bled and died for and how much he loves it. And we should be dedicated to it with our time, money, and resources that we should give to it. That it should matter more than what it matters to a lot of people. You see, but we end up, uh, uns- those who are unfulfilled, it, they end up just doing their own thing, thinking they can be a Lone Ranger type Christian. There's no Lone Rangers in Scripture. We need community. We need fellowship. So how do we get fed? How do we get fed? Well, we get fed through the Word. The Word of God. Simple as that. Christian, are you reading the Word? If you're not reading the Word, you're not going to get fed. But I'm at church, and that's definitely good, and that's definitely important, and definitely will feed you, no question. It's definitely important that when you go to a, one of the life groups that you're getting fed and you're hearing the word. By all means, yeah, that, that's part of it. But what if, what if, men, your wife said to you, husband, you can only eat on Sunday and sometime once during the week. Like this woman's trying to kill me. But some of us do that spiritually. And we think, why am I not growing as a Christian? And if you're only eating that much, you're never going to, one, you're always going to stay skinny. You're never going to build any muscle. You're, never, you're going to be unhealthy. You're not always going to be prepared for different sicknesses that go around. You'll probably catch every single one of them. You're not going to be prepared. You're not, you're not healthy physically. And we must be healthy spiritually first peter 2 2 says like newborn babes you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation cry out for its, uh, this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the lord's kindness that's first peter 2 2 i love how it says it that you will grow into a full experience of salvation how many of us are saved, but because we're not in the Word, we're not experiencing a full of the salvation. We're not experiencing all the benefits in which God has for us. 
We're missing out on it. We also get fed through fellowship. Being around other believers who help us, that sharpen us, that encourage us, that pray for us. And so the question is, what are you feeding on? So if you're weary, what have you been feeding on? If you're afraid, whose voice have you been listening to? If you are discontent, what are you focused on? And I only find fulfillment and satisfaction. You only find it in the Lord. And when I feed on his word, I have fellowship that encourages me, that uplifts me, it recharges me spiritually. Psalms 145 says, The Lord upholds all who fail, who fall, and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look unexpectedly expectedly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. And my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all the flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Man, the Lord's care is timely. It's timely. Listen. Follow his voice. You see, my shepherd, he knows what is best. He knows what is best. Notice what it says in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. How many of you are like, you know what? I came to church this week, and I just wanted to be told how God's going to make me lie down in green pastures. Now, some of you may need a nap right now, and that sounds really good to you. But there was a Jewish historian named Josephus. He was not a Christian. You probably have heard of him. If you haven't, pretty well-known guy in ancient history. He was a first century scholar, and this is what he wrote about shepherds and sheep of that day. Um, the shepherd would take the sheep and fold, not all of them, but at times, would fold their legs in such a way that they would become paralyzed for a while, and therefore had to lie down and get their much-needed rest. And some, some of us, man, we have had our shepherd make us lie down and we may not understand why we may not understand why also according to tradition that if there was a sheep in the fold that was kind of always had kind of like a wild hair that would always like dart off and get in trouble the problem when that would happen is that sheep usually wouldn't go just by itself. It would lead others, and sometimes potentially the whole flock, into a dangerous situation. Now, for it to happen once would be one thing. When a shepherd had a a continual problem with the same certain sheep, something painful would happen to that sheep. The shepherd would break one of its legs. Causing the sheep have to stay with the herd to stay with the flock and there's times in our lives that christian you may be a christian 
And maybe you have veered off and you've wandered off and you're going to some areas in which you should not be going and doing some things you shouldn't be doing. And it may be even influencing other people around you, maybe even your future family. And sometimes God, sometimes he has to break a leg, so to speak. Not because he hates you, because he's looking to protect you. There's some of us, there's some of us we've experienced some heartbreak We've experienced some difficulty, and um, whether it's been a maybe a health problem, a heartbreak, a change of job, or an unemployment, the shepherd has slowed you down for a reason. There's times in which he makes us lie down. He makes us stop. And let's face it, we're not great at always resting. The purpose of one of the Ten Commandments of taking a Sabbath and remembering the Sabbath is to worship, is to rest. And in fact, the biblical principle is that God can do more with you in six days than you can in your seven days. I'm going to say that again because some of us probably need to hear it twice. Is that God will do more with you in six days than you can do with your seven days. It's a biblical principle. You say, well, I don't like that math. I don't understand that math. It, God does what he wants to do. His ways are above our ways. And, and, and we need time. We need to rest. I know some of you, some of you are always on the go. You never stop for anything. God may just make you lie down. Make you lie down. Fill you up. Give you some rest. You see, while the shepherd would force his sheep to rest at times, the best way to get his flock to chill and calm down was to make sure a couple conditions, four conditions were met. One, freedom from fear. By nature, nature, sheep are nervous and they're fearful. Sounds like us. We're so easily rattled. We're so easily become fearful. But when they know the shepherd is with them, they can relax they can relax and christian the lord is with you see but what if this happens or what if that happens then it happens nothing catches god by surprise he knows see also freedom from friction if there's any friction in the flock a sheep can't sleep Instead of lying down, they stand up and they keep themselves on high alert. The shepherd tries to minimize attention on his team by separating those who cause trouble. That's what he does. He wants to make sure that they're okay. Freedom from frustrations. Things like gnats and flies and parasites can distract the sheep and keep them from lying down. A good shepherd keeps an eye out for those small little things that frustrate the flock. And last is freedom from famine. A hungry sheep is forever on its feet, forging for food, looking to be filled. The shepherd makes sure that they are in green pastures where they can feed among the rich, sweet grass and chew the, their cud while lying down on a carpeted pasture. And some of us, we never slow down enough to chew on the green pastures of God's word. And we're running on near empty, and we wonder why we're so tired. God wants us to lay down in his abundance. It said... It's said that 70 million Americans don't get enough sleep. 
The number one cause of Americans not getting enough sleep is stress and anxiety. It's true. We can't sleep. And maybe you have a health issue. I don't know. Maybe that's your reason. The stress and anxiety cause us not to sleep. How many of us need to rest in God's Word? How many of us need to bring up the certain passages in the middle of the night when stress and worry are overwhelming us, but we remember, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. That's what our shepherd does. My shepherd leads us. He leads his sheep. After being fully fed, the sheep are led to still waters. Notice that the shepherd leads. He never drives. Sheep by nature are afraid of running water. And so what does the shepherd do? He diverts the water to a peaceful pool where his sheep can drink. He also will divide this water that's running because sheep can easily just kind of drink wherever they feel thirsty, whenever they feel thirsty, and easily soak up a pool that's contaminated. That's not good for them. Max Lucado put it this way. I love how he said this in one of his books. He said, with his own pierced hands, Jesus created a pasture for the soul. He tore out the thorny underbrush of condemnation. He pried loose the boulders of sin. In their place, he planted seeds of grace, and he dug ponds of mercy. You see, we get the word Jesus from the Latin form of the Greek form, Yeshua. Literally meaning Yahweh saves. Jesus is our shepherd. God is our shepherd. Our Lord is our shepherd. And he leads us and he guides us. And so the question is, will we drink up? Will we eat up? Will we taste and see that the Lord is good? At the end of the day, that's a decision in which you need to make. And maybe you need to make that decision today. You know Christ as your Savior, but you've been running the opposite way. You're like the sheep led astray. You're on your own. You're astray. You're doing your own thing. Man, you're hungry. Man, you're tired. You need help. You need to come back to the shepherd. But maybe you're here, maybe you're watching. And you feel lost. Maybe you know about Jesus, you know about the Bible, but really you're lost. You're lost spiritually. Why not come, humble yourself before the Lord, Repent of your sins and ask Jesus to save you. See, but you don't know about my life. You don't know about my sin. God does, and yet he loves you, and yet he's been searching for you. He's been looking for you. He's been waiting for you to come home. And when you humble yourself before the Lord, and you ask him to save you, he will bring you into his fold. You no longer have to be a sheep wandering without a shepherd. 
He'll save you. He'll change you. He'll give you a new identity. What a beautiful thing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for being my shepherd. In this crazy world in which we live in, the older I get, there seems to be There seems to be more chaos. There seems to be more uncertainty. It seems that many care less about the truth. We cannot always help that. What we can help is what we do as individuals, what we do as a church, how we love, how we look and we trust in you. We live in a world that doesn't have a shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for being my shepherd, for feeding me, for giving me, for quenching my thirst, for making me lie down and rest. That all who trust in you, all who humbly come before you, You mend their wounds. You help them. You guide them. And they're never alone. Lord, I pray if someone is watching or here that wants to come today to you and maybe doesn't quite know how, but they realize they're lost. They're a lost lamb. They're lost. They need a savior. They need a shepherd. Pray with me today. Pray, dear God, I realize I'm lost. I realize I deserve death and hell. Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. I want you to know that I love you. I'm going to follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you ask Christ into your life here this morning, man, I'd love to talk with you after this service. Or I'd love for you to shoot me an email. Give me a phone call. I'd love to rejoice with you and pray with you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.